Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 252. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of Ms. Marvel episode 2, Crushed, directed by Mira Menon, written by Kate Gritman, and the series was created for television by Bicha K. Ali. Miss Marvel is a Kevin Feige production. Before we start all the spoilery fun, want to let you know about Fan Show Plus. That is a podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers over on patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus. You can find it there and subscribe so you can hear extra MCU talk as well as spoiler reviews for things outside the MCU like the currently running but almost over Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus. So make sure you check that out at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you're also following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to leave their review. And now, without further ado, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Well, it's finally starting to get uh, warm in Washington after jacket summer. So uh, I'm very happier, much happier, excuse me, uh, right now. So, yes, no, not as much cold, a little more warmth here in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Well, that's glad. I'm, I'm glad. Or that's good, rather. I am glad that you are nice and toasty. Also, I know it's uh, it's belated because it's a, a Monday when we're recording this, but uh, happy Father's Day, man. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good day, and uh, yeah, things get crazy on Father's Day, man. I, I thought that'd be a pretty like, chill holiday, but no, it's it's more running around. But yeah, thank you very much. It's a, it's an honor to be a father and very lucky man. So yeah, yeah, Lulu is uh, insane. Yeah, but I love her to death. <laughs> I uh, I didn't even bother trying to schedule a, a podcast recording. I was like, no, I, I think we'll. Uh, We'll hold off, and uh, I appreciate that, of course, because yeah, it just gets uh, it just gets crazy. I'm not even a dad, and Father's Day is busy, so I, I certainly I don't yeah I, I get it. I can relate. Mother's Day as well, but uh, yeah, you're, oh, yeah, you're not in that category. So anyway, uh, I am very excited to talk about this second episode of Ms. Marvel. You all heard our rave review, and Paul, even though you had some little criticisms here and there, mostly mm-hmm. a rave review of the first episode of yeah. Ms. Marvel. And this second one, I am very excited to get into the third episode because that'll be the first one that I haven't seen. But I was super happy to rewatch this episode again on Disney Plus and not in like the first nerd world problem of the screener app. Oh, poor me. I get to watch the show early, but it's not quite in as good of quality as uh, as Disney Plus. But I was excited to watch this episode again. And I really like this one. It's not Super big on the superhero stuff until the end, but I thought it had good introductory superhero origin material that we're kind of used to, but also had a lot of the stuff that is far more specific to Kamala Khan's story. Um, As I said uh, last week, and it bears repeating in the second episode, I'm hard-pressed to think of another example that is so faithful, uh, another example of a live-action adaptation of a superhero character that is so faithful to the original source material and some of the stuff that maybe some of the material that wasn't necessarily as featured as much in episode one, that was a big part of the comic books, especially in those uh, in that early run by G Willow Wilson. Some of that material pops up here in this episode and it's all part of what I think enriches the story and just gets you to 
relate to, connect with this character or this set of characters, because it's not just Kamala Khan, that much more. But two episodes in, Paul, and I, I really love this series. I'm so happy with it uh, thus far. Yeah, I, you know, a lot, I didn't love that beginning episode and I, I liked it more the, the last part. You know, I think the the weird uh, special effects of her powers at the at the um, the costume uh, competition, cosplay competition, you know, either one uh, it, that was standing, I thought was in on a, a much of much better high note. And, and I, I really liked it. This episode, I was very interested to see how I'd feel. And I gotta tell you, I straight up love this episode. I I went in with not any expectations. You know, again, I'm a little trepidatious because I didn't love it outright the first time, at least the beginning part. And I gotta tell you, from from start to finish, I love this episode. And I was telling my friends, uh, went to a minor game, and they were kind of like hesitant on it. I told them, you know, I didn't love it outright in that first episode at first, but give it the set, you know, give it that second episode. You know, spoiler alert, they still did not really into it, but that's, you know, can't, everyone, everything's not for everybody. It's a reality. But regardless, I've been telling people, you know, give this a chance because I think the sec- second episode, especially things just seem overall, all of the things I was worried about in that first part of that episode just weren't there. It, things were slowed down. You get to really focus on the characters. And and that's, and that's to me, the strength of the show. I think uh, Kamala Khan is a, such a likable character. Um, she just is to me is just energetic and it's charismatic and just, I love the tale of, of, a, a fan girl, you know, superhero or fan girl who turns into a superhero. And I think it all is ringing true in this episode. It, it just feels good. And it also has a little mystery to it. And I don't know, there's just lots of great stuff that I just, I, I was not expecting. And I'm, again, I've only read a few of the Miss Marvel comics and, you know, I like, I like the initial run of that of, by G. Uh, G uh, Willow Wilson and everything, but I never, I never continued more. And I've only read her peripherally from like, you know, Avengers comics here or there or whatnot. And so I really am kind of going in pretty blind with this one, to be quite honest. And it's been kind of fun a little bit, kind of piecing together some of the mysteries that they're kind of showing us. And it's, again, it's refreshing for me because I don't know the character super well. Um, but but yeah, I think this episode was was really, really good. And in fact, I, I, I loved it. And so I can't wait to kind of how the show kind of goes on from this. But this is definitely uh, one of the, you know, a, a great episode. And I think it's interesting also that, I tend to, I think, love, I think, between Star Wars and, and the Marvel series, I think I, I usually end up loving all, all of the second episodes a lot. I don't know what that is, if it's just, you know, because you're building the story, <clears throat> excuse me, and you have yeah. to build the characters. Uh, I think I the second, know. I think the sep- second episode typically is where the story activates, right? Because I think enough, the yeah. first episode, and it's just kind of by design, right? It, and it's part of a just the job that the first episode has to do is setting the table and introducing a lot of things, but you really get the movement in the story and the character arcs and all of those things. Yeah. You can get some of that or a lot of that sometimes in the first episode, but yeah, you usually see bigger steps being taken when you get to episode two. And I think once you've introduced the world in the first episode, although not to say that the world building is over in Miss Marvel, they are still building it before our very eyes, but once you introduce it, then we just kind of get to live in it a lot more as we learn about it. And I had a lot of fun living in it in this episode. And really, I guess maybe this is taking me back to high school or probably more middle school because of uh, how old we are. But um, yeah, when when I hear Mace and it feels so good uh, as Kamala Khan is going through the halls in high school, 
Oh, I'm like, so yeah, that, that that does feel so good. Like that's amazing. Um, I was super happy with the uh, with the song choice, and uh, yeah, that that was just a lot of fun. But also, I mean, the you juxtapose that with what happened in the first episode, right? Kamala's very meek when she walks across uh, the hallway in her high school, doesn't correct the teacher who mispronounces her name, doesn't uh, interfere in the couple that she's apparently rooting for or whatever. Um, when uh, they block her pathway to her locker, she doesn't interject or anything like that. And it's the complete opposite because now that Kamala is a superhero, now that she is cosmic and she is having a blast and has a boost of confidence that comes with it, now she's dancing through the halls. She is happy to uh, correct the mispronunciation of her name. She um, makes sure that she actually gets to her locker and she is having a total blast. And then... You add all of that with all of her newfound confidence and her newfound, you know, superhero adventures, and now there's a cute boy that she's crushing on who's walking down the hallway. But uh, before Kamala can focus too much on that, Bruno is there, and Bruno wants to talk about what everybody's best friend would want to talk about if their other, if their best friend suddenly found themselves with high school, with in high school, find, found themselves with superpowers. If I could actually get that out. And I, I love that whole thing, and it's it's very similar to the dynamic we've kind of seen with. Ned and Peter Parker and the Spider-Man franchise. It's the kind of the guy in the chair type of thing and living vicariously. Not really, though, but certainly excited about this idea of the superpowers and wanting to understand it. And Kamala in her since the last time she and Bruno have interacted going to AvengerCon, she's tried to figure it out, but she knows for sure she doesn't have Ant-Man powers other than neither one of them look their age. So good meta Paul Rudd joke. I'll take it. And um, I, I also like the whole piece there of the person that she saved in uh, at AvengerCon, Zoe, it just allows her already strong social media stardom. Her, her followers quadruple, as uh, Nakia explains to us, because Zoe gets to talk about her whole experience, and she has a name for this superhero who saved her, and it was Nightlight. And now Zoe wants to throw a party to celebrate the fragility of life. Perfectly tacky high school party theme, um, and the whole thing ab about that, again, Kamala's confidence going through it and everything about this from a track that goes right into my middle school and, and high school experience, but also that whole thing of the friends getting together and, and you know, celebrating what's going on with, the, with Kamala and the excitement about that, but also the same awkward pressures and everything of high school is still there of now there's a party. Oh, we don't want to go. Oh, the cute guy got invited. Now we're definitely going to go. All of that just was very, it's very textbook coming of age storytelling, but the reason it keeps coming up is a lot of those experiences are kind of universal and relatable. And uh, which again, the story does a great job of balancing that which is universal with that which is very specific to Kamala Khan and her story. And uh, we get into more of that, of course, as this episode goes on. But this beginning, living in this world and the, the excitement for this moment of Kamala Khan, it was happy to be, I was just happy to, and enjoying to be with her on that part of her journey. Yeah, this is the stuff that I think that anyone can, who's been through a high school experience um, that is just kind of odd and you know you're feeling kind of a little bit out of the out of the ordinary when you get confidence in anything you just feel differently walking down the the hallway and uh, to me this this rings true with anyone who gets superpowers and it, it just would feel like a different person and i think kamala khan here does you know exactly what any superhero or anyone with who young person who suddenly finds himself with superpowers would do you know i mean i think what's interesting is uh 
I think of like uh, Peter Parker from the first uh, Sam Raimi film. You know, in the comic books, Peter Parker is very much kind of stays to himself, even when he has superpowers. But it, it's more realistic, I think, the reactions of Kamala Khan here and and Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker to how to act different. Even Andrew Garfield, I think, to me, that, that all rings true um, to what kids would really be like. You know what I mean? So to see that all there, and Bruno's character was so interesting, and and we'll talk obviously a lot more about him as we go. But what's interesting is that when they first introduce him, I just thought it was odd. You know, I'm like, okay, this guy, all of a sudden this like super like cute guy just all of a sudden like shows up out of nowhere. And be like, hey guys, I'm the new guy. And he's crushing on, you know, crushes on Kamala right out the gate. It's, it could happen, but it just, be, it just seemed like too convenient for me. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, well, I, I, but it makes sense by the end of the episode. Well, of course, of course. And so, but the whole time I'm thinking, this is... I didn't mind it, and that's why I think I, – another reason why I think by the end of the episode, Sean, why I loved it so much is that I, I didn't mind that stuff. I'm like, you know, I could buy it because she is a really likable character, obviously. So as I'm watching this, the whole time I'm like, that is very – you know, to have them develop this relationship right off the bat seemed very interesting. I'll just say that. So um, – and I, I didn't know if that was a creative choice as far as uh, establishing a, a new, uh, you know – uh, attraction or whatever, like, you know, and driving it home pretty quick. I mean, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty big, the creative decision episode two and just driving that home right away. But we, we get more reasons right uh, to that in here in a little bit, but yeah, I, I love this whole intro introduction. I just love seeing Kamala Khan's confidence. Just kind of just on display as, as I, like I said, as any young superhero or any young person getting powers, I think would, would act like. Well, I knew that something was up with uh, Kamran as soon as he was willing to let Kamala Khan drive his super nice car. Not that, because yeah, usually, yeah. I mean, in general, people are very protective of their cars, but teenagers, when they get their first car, um, even those who get fancy cars just paid for for them, uh, yeah, people can kind of be a little protective of their vehicles. And so I don't know that you just... You're the, super willing to hand it over, hand the keys over to somebody who you just learned failed their driver's test. It's like, uh, no, you're not using my car to learn how to drive. So I, as soon as he was willing to do that, it's like, okay, well, yeah, he's he's baiting her into something for some reason to get closer to her, and that becomes apparent by the end of the episode. So I think the end of the episode justifies everything that happens before it as far as Absolutely. that that little bit of uh, that romance. But I just like because it, it's just so it just feels so authentic to the experience yeah. for Kamala Khan and the timing couldn't be more perfect for her. Right. Is because if that guy enters her life last week when she's not feeling super confident or yesterday in this story, whatever it was, if he enters her life before Avenger Khan, then she just doesn't even have any confidence to talk to him at all whatsoever and it's just he's just a fantasy to her like everything else that she was dreaming about in her life. And she does dream about a little bit in this episode, but she has the confidence to at least try and engage to maybe make something happen. And I and I think that was the other thing that was such a key difference for Kamala, but also why it felt so true and so real for her in this moment is, of course, she's acting right at home in this and she's not being cocky about it. She's not all of a sudden a jerk. She's just being as confident and assertive as she already should have been. And it makes sense that she would have that because we already know this is the way she dreamt of being seen and how she could even feel about herself, see herself. Uh, we saw her dreaming about that in the first episode and just not feeling like 
she was worthy of it right away and trying to, in whatever awkward teenage way she could, trying to get there. And now she's got this huge boost because of these superpowers. Now she doesn't just have to be a fan of a superhero. She actually gets to be a superhero as her dream is is coming true. Although it's never as simple as, or as fun as you it know, may uh, initially seem. One thing I got to add really quick. Yeah. When you said dream sequence. I totally thought it was a dream for a minute. I'm like, okay, what is she gonna wake uh, up? Yeah. And, and then so I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is not a dream because when she started talking to the, you know, the guy right away, Bruno, yeah. I was well, or, uh, no, the yeah, the Bruno's guy. her best friend. Uh, Kamran yeah, is the new guy. Kamran, Kamran, sorry, Kamran. Um, when we started talking to him right right off the bat, I was like, what? And the way she was acting for a minute there, I went, is this a dream? And when it wasn't, I I, I just kind of, oh okay, I get it. I, so I. I did. I will say, I did almost think it was a dream sequence, and I'm wondering if anyone listening thought the same thing. Maybe, maybe it was just me, but I, I did thought I did think that for a quick second. Yeah, I, I didn't. It didn't really register for me that it might have been a dream. I just felt like, yeah, this is totally supposed to be here. Here's the reversal of Kamala Khan's situation and, and how she feels about herself. And it was, it was a great way to start the episode. It was fun. It was poppy. It was energetic. And then when we get to and I and I like the whole setup, right? It very quickly sets up the plot of the episode yeah. in in where this is going from here. And of course, things, you know, revolve around a high school party. Not that that ends up being the main event of the episode that comes and goes uh, early on and, and we'll get to it. But and uh, I, I like that they do the next natural part of this in these stories, right? Which is, OK, you've got some powers, but we need to figure out exactly what this is. And when Bruno asked her like how it feels, she says like an idea come to life. I love that description for the powers. Like that is so awesome because that is kind of what we are are seeing. But I don't know. It, it feels like this very and sorry for using the word again, meta sort of thing where because that's I don't know. Like that's what these are, right? These mm-hmm. you know comic books are ideas come to life, and then it's come to life in a, in a whole new way when you get an adaptation from the page to the screen with live action and. So, so much of the way this series is written and handled, it kind of is what Kamala is in that, you know, yes, there's so much that's about her, uh, that's about her journey, but then there's, uh, it, it operates on this other level because she's a fan. And so I think that's the part that is such a huge touch point for everybody watching this is that, you know, the, is that's kind of what she represents and that represents why we love the thing, these things so much is these are ideas brought to life before our very eyes. I mean, I know it's not very literal, like in Kamala's sense, it's very literal with these powers that she has, but outside the story, it's just all part of, it's just tapping into feelings that I think so many of us who watch and love these stories have had for such a long time, even if we haven't always articulated them in quite that way, it just makes sense. It just rings true when you hear lines like that. And then as they go through the test, we get some important information here out of Bruno when we're talking about what is the origin of Kamala Khan and, and why does she have the, as a superhero, why does she have these powers? And we know that she suddenly got the powers when she clipped on that bangle last week, but, and, and that would certainly lead us to believe that the power comes from the bangle, but no, as Bruno is saying, and as you and I were theorizing last week, Paul, and I'm sure lots of others were as well. Um, that the power comes from within. Bruno is saying, because he's tracking it with whatever tech he has to track these powers, that whatever's there, it's not coming from the bangle, it's coming from within Kamala. So if anything, the bangle just unlocked something that was already there. 
what's there. The only name that Kamala can come up with for her power so far is Hard Light, which is very literal and makes a lot of sense, and it's kind of silly. It fits very well with a superhero named Nightlight, so we'll have to figure out. We, are, oh, we know the eventual superhero name. name. Yeah, we know the eventual superhero name is going to be Ms. Marvel. We'll see if there ends up being a, another name for these uh, superpowers that she has. But the whole idea of Kamala Khan already had these abilities and they were unlocked by the Bengal. This keeps on opening that door just a little bit wider each week to maybe Inhumans. I mean, I, I suppose it could be something else, but she is an Inhuman in the comic books. And for a long time, I thought maybe they wouldn't go that route because outside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which isn't officially official MCU canon... It's certainly not in the MCU timeline on uh, Disney Plus on the Marvel page. So that's really been the only place for it until Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness mentions Inhumans when they talk about Black Bolt. And granted, that was in this more multiversal way that didn't really point in the direction of Inhumans on Earth. But once you acknowledge, and they have now, the existence of Inhumans in the MCU and knowing that they were going to do that, then it certainly opens the door for Kamala Khan and... And I don't know if they'll go with Inhumans or they'll go straight up Kree, but in the comic books, obviously, that's largely the same thing because it was Kree experiments that created Inhumans in the first place. So Inhumans are of Kree origin. So how they go about it and how they line it all up exactly and, and put the puzzle pieces together for us on this series uh, for this origin and how she got her powers, all of that obviously remains to be seen. But Clearly, they're pointing toward a, a bigger revelation here that's more specific to Kamala Khan. And I, but and not just to her, though. I mean, it's her family line to an extent, but also maybe even more than that, maybe something even, even bigger. I don't really know, but I think they're doing a really good job of, of building the intrigue that obviously feeds us as fans of the comic books who kind of know some of these origins, but also keeps it open enough where I, I can't say it's open and shut case like this is totally what it's going to be because I feel like whatever version of it that they explain is even if it isn't human is still going to be somewhat different from the comic books which I'm totally fine with and I think the direction mm -hmm. they're going with this means at the very least they're kind of honoring the concept behind her powers and her superhero origin absolutely and that's where I'm really intrigued by it because I, I don't know I don't think the inhuman thing is going to happen necessarily unless they're going to alter what being inhuman is, which at this point I wouldn't mind because it's a little, it's a little too closely to mutants at this point, as far as the, what you inherit, I think for, in the comic books a little bit, so, you know, the Terra Genesis ideas is different and cool, but <clears throat> I like this idea that she's the, the Kree have kind of the, of some bloodlines on earth and that that might still kind of, you know, be around, uh, still around. And that's, you know, and one thing I will say, you know, they have mined, uh, they being Marvel have mined the, a lot of the more recent event stuff like infinity. And I think the idea behind, uh, inhumans could still be there with the whole idea of like a terrogenesis bomb, not like how in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there was like, you know, just random things here or there that kind of sparked it, whatever. But more of the fact that there could be a giant bomb that gives people powers. And that and that very well could be mutants as well. I, I Who knows? There was a lot of talk. I remember back in the day. Very back in the day when we I think we started with one of the one of the many incarnations of this very show, Sean. I think we even talked about at least I did, I think. 
about how there were rumors in the comic books about how the mutants were going to be tied heavily with Inhumans uh, origins. Like basically uh, mutants are just kind of Inhumans, but just kind of evolved over time kind of a thing, um, which and I think tying them together would be a brilliant idea, which I think is still possible in my opinion in the comics. I think it's still possible to do that potentially with the MCU. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. It, it, it wouldn't shock me, but you know, who knows? But I will say, I do like this idea that she obviously has this power within her and the, and, and those bracelets, they have just kind of, you know, unlocked it. I like that idea. Um, Again, I'm not sure how this might be the, if it's quantum bands related, potentially. There's also that idea that we don't know about. But I'm kind of, my money is still on right now. I think the uh, focus is going to be this the whole bloodline, and there is inhuman ideas in there. And the one thing I think would be cool is that maybe uh, the Marvels is going to be that movie where it actually, in that Terra Genesis bomb potentially goes off. And maybe that's where, you know, could because if you're involving more Kree and that whole idea, they've, and when I talked about mining, they could be mining the infinity, uh, you know, saga where, you know, Hickman, you know, they've already mined the, you know, obviously the, uh, the, uh, the cabal or the black water, excuse me, and Corvus and all them, they, they all came from that, uh, that series, but that's what, you know, Thanos' son being inhuman and Thanos, you know, and the Terra Genesis bomb, that could all be there. And I think that's all Kree related. That very well could be what happens in the Marvels. You have these super powered people trying to fend off, you know, potentially a threat that could, you know, really change, the, you know, the Marvel universe. So, and there's so many different things you could do with that. So I think there's a lot of uh, potential richness with this. And I think in, in, using Miss Marvel as an introduction to the Inhumans rather than, doing the Inhumans, then Miss Marvel, it's kind of genius, to be honest, because you're kind of incorporating a a, a much younger demographic with Miss Marvel, and you're kind of, in, you know, easing everyone into this whole idea of Inhumans with this character, potentially. So I like that idea, that you're just kind of using her to kind of spring-load it into Inhumans. So we'll see. But money's still on, just maybe not Inhuman, but Kree-related, for sure. Yeah, I think, at minimum, it's Kree-related, and that sets up... Kamala Khan being in the Marvels, right? Because obviously the Kree Scroll War is still, as far as we know, a thing, right? In the MCU at this point, it's still active, which yep. makes sense because I know people would look at it and say, well, the Kree Scroll War was happening in Captain Marvel, which took place in 1995. No, but the Kree Scroll War takes a long time in the comic books. Like it's, it, I don't know, does it ever it's, actually it's, end? I don't know. It like, never ends. Kind of, well, it does and it doesn't. It, you know, it does and then yeah. it, you know, and then it keeps going and then yeah and then it like gets revived and, and everybody's yeah, fighting again yeah, so like exactly. you know there there are like these stalemates these short-lived treaties that happen but like that's kind of it and i i think that's where you know there at a minimum it's a Cree connection and maybe it goes as far as in humans but even if it goes as far as in humans i actually would prefer kind of the reverse paul i'm not really looking for a terrigen bomb to go off on earth and kind unless you are connecting mutants and inhumans because that's the only way it kind of mm -hmm. makes sense to me. Because if we're going to, I agree. Yeah. if we're going to let the mutant gene kind of explode on Earth, then I don't really want uh, inhumans as well. Like I don't need like a million new superheroes and supervillains in the MCU all at once. That was part of why I didn't necessarily love the Terrigen bomb in the comic, the Terrigen bomb in the comic books, but it was to support a brand new, not only Miss Marvel comic book series, but also a brand new inhuman series or multiple inhuman ongoing series most of which did not survive their past year of publication. 
So I, I mean, because it was all very transparent in what Marvel Publishing was trying yeah. to do at the time. That's a whole other podcast unto itself. So, oh yeah. As far as the way the way I see this going, where I think it has some value if they do go the inhuman route with this, is I actually like the idea that this does have the opportunity to keep it small, at least on Earth. Like I like the idea that Kamala Khan is a descendant of a bloodline of one of only a few, maybe at most, bloodlines on Earth that are inhuman, and the rest of them are scattered throughout space, and maybe that's part of uh, what pulls people back, and then Kamala Khan into the story with larger space adventures with uh, Carol Danvers, and obviously Monica Rambo is going to factor into that. So I, I like the idea of keeping Inhumans relatively small on Earth, and then a bigger thing throughout the universe, just because it doesn't necessarily have this explosion. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., tried to do that with season two, right? With the, you know, the fish oil and whatever else to have this huge inhuman outbreak. And it didn't really work great on that show either because it's kind of, it's just too tough to wrangle if you really want to try and have this impact of a a huge explosion in the population of enhanced individuals. It doesn't work that great, um, I think, in that storytelling because you largely have to ignore most of it when you just think about what the math really means. So... Anyway, I, I like the way they're doing this with with Miss Marvel because I feel like it's fairly contained and also very specific and personal for Kamala and her family, which just makes it more meaningful, I think, in uh, in the storytelling. Um, so the next place we cut to in the episode is we are with Kamala and Nakia because they Kamala has to end all of the superhero training and powers and all that stuff has to go to the mosque. And we see that the women's facilities are not maintained quite as well as the men's, which are separate. And so Kamala and uh, Nakia get in trouble a little bit from Sheikh Abdullah uh, while he's delivering the lecture. But this gives birth to the idea that Nakia will run for the mosque board. And that becomes a plot point for the remainder of the episode and presumably for the season. Um, And then we get to the party and Kamala and her friends go. Kamala is tricked into, dr- into drinking, which is really messed up. And then Kamran does the, you know, has his almost famous moment jumping off the roof into the pool. The cops show up. Chaos ensues. The kids got to scatter. But uh, Kamran has the car, which we will get into. Um, I thought the scene at the mosque was really, really good between Kamala and uh, Nakia. I, I think showing the experience for them as Muslim women and how that differs from the men. I thought was very powerful, but also the way uh, Nakia's response to it with wanting to run for the mosque board or really uh, Kamala encouraging that. I like the moment, that moment between those two friends um, and seeing that side of their culture and their experience, I, I thought was really great. And then the party scene, which is just that. I mean, when it's the nerd kids who go to the parties that they're not normally invited to, that they don't normally get to participate in and how uncomfortable that is. And yeah, if you're naive like Kamala, if somebody's handing you a drink at a party, then there's a good chance that if they're saying there's no alcohol in it, there's a pretty good chance that there might actually be some alcohol in it. So uh, that part of the experience. Uh, but then that whole thing, right? And it's it's the construct of it, right? Like everything makes more sense when you think about how calculated it is. Like this guy shows up at school and he's got an interest in Kamala that seems more than you would normally expect. Not that Kamala isn't somebody to be interested in for high school kids, but like it just doesn't seem all, it seems like you said, it's all coming together very, very quickly. But even this showing off, right? Having the shirt off, diving in the pool, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. 
Um, but it, it is a construct. It's there for a very specific reason as we get to uh, in the end of the episode. But uh, I, I really thought, uh, and this is just like the normal stuff, right? There's no superhero stuff happening here. It's Kamala and her friend going to the mosque. It's Kamala and her friends going to a party. And all this stuff is very entertaining and very engaging in the story. And I think really informs us and, and as we experience our experience with these characters. And this is a, a part of it. This is just living in these spaces with these people that is just so engaging and so interesting as a viewer. And this is the kind of stuff that I, I think a lot of that material you skip right over if you only have a two hour movie and you got to get to the superhero stuff. But this is one of the advantages of a Disney Plus series is these smaller scenes get a chance to, you know, get just a get the time, but then b make the most of that time as we see in this episode. Yeah, I love the the party thing was is such a staple, such a trope for anything high school related for, you know, TV shows or movies. And you had to have it. We had it, you know, in Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's 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 standard, but it also it really does help build character. And and as far as establishing who these people are and everything, you you, you show already. I mean, you, don't, you didn't really need to have this, but you show that she's not exactly equipped to trust you know she trusts people too much and obviously hasn't really drank before it looks like and just all those things yeah she she takes one sip that she pretty much spits out am i drunk yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's again that's great you're establishing that she's kind of a you know just six to herself she's not you know she's she's a good kid yeah exactly you're not i was a good kid too i never drank when i was in high school um but uh but you know, it, it was it was it, we're building up those moments that she's a she's a good natured you know just is very uh, innocent kid, and I, I like that. Uh, but because you use that, and then you also have the the part where uh, you know the guy comes out with his shirt off, and she's like you know googly eyes and mm-hmm. everything, which I thought was great. Which again, I thought it was I'm like this. They're really built. They're really hyping this thing up, man. Like I, I just was like, ah, this is so weird. But again, it wasn't a, a bad weird. I just I, I knew something was up. I'm like, what are they doing with this? And I was a little worried because I thought maybe he was like using her for a different reason. Like there was some there maybe some ulterior motive besides what we got at the end of the show. Which I, I don't know if you like one of those classic things where it's like I had to tell I'd date you because of this reason or you know some awful thing like that. Right. I was I was I was scared to death of that. I'll be honest. This, or just trying to take advantage of her, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I was. I was worried. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little worried. I'm like, I don't like this. Um, but but also, I did. I thought the same thing that you did. I thought almost famous reference. It has to be like they had, you know. So which I thought was great. I love almost famous. One of my favorite films. Uh, yeah, I, I love this stuff. It's all all teen, teenager film tropes, which I am all about. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. And I know for a fact, almost famous is definitely not the only movie that's had you know, somebody jump off the roof into the pool. Uh, it's pretty standard uh, at pool parties. So uh, I, you know, and, and it's all just, it's totally a move and uh, and it's, it is very calculated and, and also calculated is as we go through this whole thing, like Kamran and Kamala just have everything in common, right? Like she's embarrassed as her friends reveal that she failed her driver's test. Well, I failed mine the first time too. And then they get to bond over their mutual love of Bollywood movies. And I'm not saying that Kumran doesn't legitimately like Bollywood movies. But yes, there's a lot that's going on there that is connecting the two of them. But uh, safe to say that Kumran has probably done his homework and knows some of the things that are going to allow him to connect with Kamala. And that's not necessarily saying that Kumran has ill intentions, but he is trying to get close to her for a reason uh, in this episode. 
And when we talk about things being calculated and being a move, well, it's definitely a move when he calls Bruno Brian. Like, he knows Bruno's name, but that's certainly there to minimize the male friend who I'm sure Qumran suspects has a crush on Kamala, because guess what? Bruno does have a crush on Kamala and, you know, sets up a date right in front of Brian slash Bruno to, uh, not that uh, Bruno's crush means that uh, that Kamala would have to date him or anything like that, obviously, but um, I, I think that he's, uh, it's just that little thing to kind of minimize Bruno, to kind of push him to the side, to allow Kamran to get closer to Kamala, and he closes with getting her number to set up a driving lesson at some point in the very near future, uh, which we do see in all of this, but um, I, I thought that was all just very classic in the approach to it, and it's classic because it, it works really well. But I think the highlight of this was seeing dreaming Kamala come back, like when she gets home and she's all smitten and be my baby as she's dancing through the house and everything. Love and that song. That well, the song is great, um, but also the lighting of it and the way. The, I mean, because dreaming Kamala was a lot of fun in the first episode, and we didn't yeah. have to see as much dreaming in this episode because she was living her dream uh, with the superpowers and everything that she had. But now she's got this dream romance and, and seeing her kind of embrace that uh, the way that she did at home. I thought that was uh, that really was a lot of fun. But her being so excited about this and glowing over this buddy romance becomes literal when she's at school and all of a sudden her nose starts uh, glowing uh, and she has to run to the bathroom to try and hide it. And Nakia then uh, has a conversation with her, an ensuing conversation where uh, Nakia says that she is, in fact, uh, she is going to run for the mosque board, thanks in large part to the encouragement for Kamala. And just the bond between the two of them, like the whole I love you, I love you too thing with those two as friends. Uh, I thought all of that was very touching. It was uh, very sweet between the two of them. Also love the scene. Mr. Wilson, this guy is a very strong real MVP candidate for the MCU Fan Awards. Have you ever seen a movie when he's talking to Bruno? <laughs> like, yeah, I have seen a movie because Bruno's gotten into this program at Caltech, which is great, an exciting opportunity. All expenses paid for Bruno. The only problem is it's in California, Caltech, uh, which is the opposite coast from New Jersey, which means he'd be very far away from his friend and he hopes more, Kamala Khan. And what uh, Mr. Wilson is telling him with the whole, have you ever seen a movie, is this is that moment, whether it's the Jedi moment or to be Miranda Priestley's assistant, and Mr. Wilson is Meryl Streep, uh, this is the moment where Bruno needs to take this opportunity. And Bruno is so desperate to talk to Kamala about it, but uh, he can't. she can't because she's got a date slash driving lesson with Qumran. But yeah, her coming home, dancing through the whole thing, amazing scene, so much fun. And Iman Vellani, so great there with the dancing and everything else. Like, And her performance in this, she's just so endearing. As I've been saying, I mean, she's just an absolute superstar in this show. I mean, she looked like it mm -hmm. in the trailers, but she is just so locked in as this character. I, I believe for every second that this is Kamala Khan brought to life, an idea come to life, right? An idea by Sana Amanet, G. Willa Wilson, all the co-creators of, of Ms. Marvel, and uh, Iman Vellani is, is the superpower, is the, the hard light bringing it to life in this series. It's pretty spectacular with her performance. Mm -hmm. And then the friendship that she has with Bruno, but also with Nakia and Mr. Wilson, as I said, so good. Have you ever seen a movie? I'm going to have to start using that when people get into Twitter fights online from now on about movies. Oh, like, goodness. have you ever seen a movie? I think I'm going to have to start oh, using Lord. it. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, Iman Vellani is just, I got to tell you, 
she's so likable as this character and she really is i mean you have to obviously cast someone who has charisma and can embody the character and though i don't put it on my not loving the first episode beginning on her i definitely seeing her just be able to have the camera focus in on her and do her thing it's great like one of the things i loved about the the whole ronette's be my baby song which again is a phenomenal song my god um What's great about that is there's a lot of callbacks to like 80s films in this. I'm not sure if that's necessarily uh, uh, intentional all the time. Oh, it's uh, it's 100 percent. I mean, 80s is ground zero for coming of age films. That's fair. That's fair. Well, it's what one thing I thought immediately. And I'm not sure if every, anyone else thought this. But when that whole scene was happening, I thought immediately to Adventures in Babysitting with Elizabeth Shue singing at the very beginning of that movie. Different song. But same kind of idea, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Huh, I, I wonder if this was an inspiration." Because I totally got that that whole feeling from that. Mm-hmm. And I love there is a Thor helmet in Adventures and Babysitting, so there, it's, there uh, is, there is, and Kingpin's in it too. So I mean, and there's, I mean, there's, there's even a Thor reference in this episode where she's wondering oh, if she might right. be related to Thor. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh my God. Oh, it's, it's all, it's all coming back. It's all coming back. So. I loved, I just love that whole part because that to me, I can relate to that. I've, I've not, I've danced to songs even just yesterday to something just like this, you know, where I'm just doing my thing. And it just, it, when you're feeling good, you're feeling good. And I love that. And I think that it just shows you how some, you know, she just gets, you know, carried away in her, in her head. And I, I don't know, this to me is someone like, like that myself. I can get carried away in my head, both for good and for bad. And the thing is, It's so accurate to me. And I think that Miss Marvel is such a there's something so relatable to her on on every every man, every woman, every person level that I think is just it's nice to see someone who seems normal. And that's the one. And I say normal in a sense to where it's like you're relatable to where just she's not like, you know, one thing or another. It's just she's just a regular person. And I really like that about this character. I'm not sure if I really got that feeling from the comics necessarily, but in this show, um, they're they're playing. She plays Kamala Khan as someone. I just it just seems like a very normal. Like I could see this person existing next door to me. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't feel like I, Kate Bishop seems like someone who would not live obviously next door to me or something like that, right? So, but like, but Kamala Khan in this show just feels like someone who's real, authentic that I would really see and talk with down the street. You know, so I, I just like that about the show. There's something likable and so relatable and down to earth to this character that she brings to her performance. And this whole whole sequences we're talking about were great. And I know I talked about Bruno's Marty McFly obsession uh, on Twitter the other day, which the reason why I brought it up, I thought it was weird was is just that they haven't really established that he's a big like Back to the Future fan, which I know is not necessarily that you have to do that. But it's just interesting because the last couple episodes he's he's worn the vest and I'm like, is this again more of an homage to 80s films coming of age stories? Which again, not wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me. I thought it was interesting that like it wasn't just one episode. They're kind of it's a, a motif now. It feels like they're he have the, the life preserver. You know, he's gonna jump ship anytime soon. I don't know. If that's foreshadowing. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, but I, I like it. I thought I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, look, given. And we know Back to the Future exists, right, in the MCU, even if Scott Lang thinks it's a bunch of bullshit now. But (laughs) we know it exists, and Bruno is super nerd, which doesn't mean that just because you're nerdy about some things doesn't mean you're nerdy about all 
generally nerdy things, because uh, certainly I know I'm not, but um, I buy the idea that Bruno, and I don't even really need it to be explained to me that Bruno's a Back to the Future fan. I'm, I'm happy to let the visual references just kind of tell me. And uh, and yeah, I, I get it. He's a big fan of, uh, well, and actually, I don't know. Granted, he was Dr. Banner last week, but oh, yeah. you know, it's, there's a little Doc Brown-ish yeah, there with the lab coat, sure. and now he's, uh, yeah. he's Marty McFly in this week's episode. Ooh. So who knows who he'll be next he's week. He's cosplaying as two different people. Yeah, let's hope that he, <laughs> as long as he's never Biff, I think we're okay. So, um, oh, and I, I don't think Bruno would like Biff at all. No. So no, no, no. I, I thought all of that was great. And, and the scene with Mr. Wilson, too, because I, I thought, you know, I, I like that we get a scene... With just Mr. Wilson and every time I keep saying Mr. Wilson, I keep thinking of Dennis the Menace. But anyway, we get a, a scene just between Mr. Wilson and, and Bruno, uh, which just builds out the world, right? And kind of the stakes in this for for Bruno, what he's go, what he's got going on, and that's yeah, the, the high school thing of you're considering your friendships, and you know possibly uh, Bruno hopes a, a romance, and even if that never comes to be. I'm sure Bruno still loves Kamala as a friend and cares very much about that friendship. So the idea of these opportunities that you get that would pull you away from the things that you really value, the relationships that you really value, that's a lot of pressure for a kid to figure out. And um, so I, all of that stuff, I, I think, is just so so real, so authentic in the storytelling here. And uh, it's all still like the way they play it. It's it's such a tricky balance to have the, you know, cause these things are very uh, emotionally, they're very, they can be a very heavy experience for people, but especially when you're in high school, but at the same time, staying upbeat about it without undercutting the emotional stakes for these characters as the story develops, I think is a very tricky thing to do. But so far uh, they've done a really terrific job of, uh, of navigating that. And this brings us to the driving lesson slash date between Kamala and Qumran. After the driving lesson, they go get something to eat, and they bond over each of their mother's love of Bollywood star Kingo across different generations, as we saw, of course, in Eternals la uh, late last year. So I like the Kingo reference. I like the Eternals reference. You got to keep them in the mix somewhere here in the MCU. I know the movie didn't do as great as, uh, they norm as we normally see, from MCU movies, but clearly Marvel has plans for the Eternals, uh, and I like the Kingo references here, so that was fun. Um, I also really like when you see uh, Kamala's brother uh, Amir and his fiance Taisha show up. Taisha totally knows what's up and is not buying the cover story from Kamala at all uh, when Kamala explains that Kamran is their cousin, um, just the cousin that Amir barely remembers. Um, although it is a cover story, but We'll, we'll have to see. It may turn out that Qumran and Kamala are related, and uh, maybe this romance is, is certainly not Ooh. meant to be. It's possible. It's possible, depending oh, on who the mystery just... woman is in, in the car later, if that is the uh, if that is Kamala's great-grandmother. Uh, but we're not there yet in the episode. Um, but I, I like the interaction between the two of them, and I thought that was a very organic MCU reference. Not Those don't... I don't know. I mean, generally, Marvel Studios does a pretty good job of that when they have the other, here's other things that are part of this world types of references in these stories. But this one I thought was a particularly good one and a very natural one, the way it came up out of two characters, you know, mutual interest of something. And that's just very unique to Kingo, having been an actual Bollywood star in the MCU. 
Yeah. By the way, I just want to say I'm extremely jealous of her brother's beard. That beard is amazing. I just wish I could have a, a nice, tidy beard like that. I just can't do it. My, it's too like crazy weird. So I'm just mega jealous. Um, it's a love fantastic a good beard. beard. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yes, fa- it, it is pe- impeccable beard. And I'm, I just, I wish, I wish. Um, so I, I like the scene. Uh, it was, it was. It was a little, a little strange because I'm, I'm just like, wait, it was, it was awkward in a good way, and again, this is where I felt that maybe there was ulterior motives because it just didn't seem, and, and again, not in a bad way where I'm like, this is unbelievable, but it just seemed like something was going on and just it seemed too convenient. Well, something was. So, well, I know, I know, I know. We'll get, we'll get to that, but it just, it, this where at this point when I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, this is. This is interesting, and, I, and her brother showed up. And got, it got me really weird and awkward, and I'm like, wait, they're cousins? And, and like you said, especially at the end now, you don't know exactly where that is. But uh, yeah, I, I did like this. It was a good, it was a good awkward moment uh, for you know for for her and for her brother. So I thought that was a, it was interesting. It was well, very interesting. Scene. I, I think what was what made it so much fun uh, besides Amir trying to be like, oh yeah, I get it, you know, and and just going for it because at that point, right now, like. He wants to be cool because this is like, you know, he's got a, a cousin or so he's told who is like the cool kid, the cool guy in, in high school. And, and Amir wants to be cool. And, and so just trying to be with it in that moment, I, I thought was really great. Although Amir's got nothing to prove. He's got the beard. That, that proves everything. But the other highlight of the scene, I thought, was just the glances between Ta- his fiance Taisha and Kamala, because Taisha totally knows what's going on here. And isn't going to say anything, isn't going to try and uncover it. Because I think Taisha knows and and understands. Obviously, culturally, there are different expectations on, you know, the men than the women, especially for Kamala being alone, unchaperoned with this boy. Um, and so she knows Taisha knows what Kamala is doing and why Kamala has to cover up for it. And she's just kind of amused by that because Taisha's probably had those moments for herself, maybe even moments like that. Uh, with Amir and maybe never pretended Amir was her cousin to anybody, but she's probably had moments like that, which is why she can spot it uh, when that is what Kamala is doing. But uh, bringing Amir back in the story really uh, helps drive things back toward Kamala's family. As we go to a family dinner, that's also going to give us some family history, including not most notably, but still very, very interesting that Amir had a goth phase and used to work a hot topic uh, and wore a lot of spiky stuff. So that was cool. And uh, I bet that looked great with the beard. If he had the beard when he was working a Hot Topic with all the black and the spiky things, that probably worked Dude, out pretty great. Word. Uh, <laughs> probably looked pretty epic. But um, Kamala's father, uh, Yusef, and mother Muniba, they, we've, we hear the story of why they moved to the U.S. They moved there so their children could be anything they wanted to be. Uh, her parents are from Karachi. And uh, Kamala's uh, Ami, her mother, Muniba, she moved there with or her family moved there after the partition, which was when India was separated to India and Pakistan. And uh, Muniba's family again moved there after the partition. And this was an emotional memory that uh, Muniba got up from the table, as Yusuf told the rest of the story. So we get a lot of information here where it was Muniba's mother, Sana, that, of course, being a reference to Sana Amanat, who is the co-creator of Kamala Khan. And her life story is a large inspiration behind Kamala Khan and the creation of those comic books. So Sana, the uh, Muniba's mother, Kamala's grandmother, was separated from the family as the tra- as the last train was leaving the station. But somehow she made it back on. She said she followed a trail of stars. 
but no one knows exactly what happened, and no one knows what happened to because it was Sana's mother, uh, Sana's father, who eventually found her, and when she was reunited with her family. But no one knows what happened to Sana's mother. That is Muniba's grandmother and Kamala's great grandmother. And as this story is being explained, and we are hearing references to these people, the Bengal lights up, and Kamala sees a mystery woman appearing in light which causes Kamala to pass out. And I love her mother's response as Kamala is waking up. Did you not eat enough or eat too much? Either way, you did something wrong uh, in order to pass out. I, I thought that was really, that was really, really funny, uh, her response to it. Obviously, she cares about the well-being of her child, but surely Kamala made some mistake that, that caused this uh, situation. And then uh, Kamala is inspired to FaceTime with her grandmother, with Sana who it provides a little bit of help, but not too much because she doesn't want to say too much, but it does give us confirmation that the bangle originally belonged to, maybe not originally, but at one point belonged to Sana's mother, Aisha. That is Muniba's grandmother, Kamala's great-grandmother. That's the one where nobody knows what happened to her. And as Sana says, she's already said too much, so she's not going to share anymore with Kamala. And as Kamala is trying to get more information this time from her mother, then her mother explains that that woman, Aisha, Kamala's great-grandmother, brought shame to our entire family. So we will have to find out more backstory on Aisha. But I thought this did a, this was a great, oh, this whole sequence was really great because it has a job to do. It has to convey a lot of information, a lot of backstory for Kamala and her entire family it's building up, it's meant to build up the intrigue of, of Kamala and the nature of her powers, but it's also there to connect us to this family and their story in so many different ways, right? The experience of her father, the experience of her mother, what their dreams were uh, and why they came to the U.S. in, in the first place and their the, the circumstances of their lives that led up to that and then going back into even deeper into the, the history with her mother's side which is very emotional territory, obviously, when we see the way that Muniba is responding to this story being told and how she, what she explains to Kamala toward the end of this, that, you know, that woman, her grandmother, Aisha, brought shame to, Muniba's uh, grandmother brought shame to the entire family. There's just so much that's going on here and very easy for a sequence like this to just come across as a huge info dump. Um, and you can look at it cynically and uh, and do that, but that has to happen in stories. And so really what it comes down to is can you do it artfully? Can you do it in a way that really in that deepens the audience's relationship with connection to the characters? And um, speaking for me, certainly, and I think for a lot of folks, though, who would probably agree with me on this, this did such a wonderful job of that. It's one of we talk about the larger exposition scenes in the MCU. Uh, mm -hmm. This is probably destined to go down as one of my favorites because it, it does a lot but it never loses sight of the emotion that's behind it. Yeah, this was a great uh, a thing because I, I love the idea that her dad is telling the story and then, you know, she has, you know, her mom comes in and has to, you know, set the record straight and she's talking to her her, her grandma. There's just lots of interesting, or is her aunt, I'm sorry, is her aunt, or I always forget, is her aunt or her grandma? Uh, the one she's speaking to on the FaceTime, the is she's, she's yeah, speaking FaceTime. to her grandmother. Yeah, yeah grandmother. There's, I love the great mystery that they're building because again, we, 
the comic book fans who've read the comics kind of know the, the idea here. And I, I love the fact that the, the MCU is going a different direction. There is more of an interest, interesting mystery because for whatever reason, her mom has an idea of what's going on. And there's a tension there. I like that. Like That's something you don't really see a whole lot of, I think, in uh, it just again, that I can think off the top of my head. Of superhero stories, if if their if their parents are either related or were superheroes or have a history of that, they usually you know usually they don't want them. There's that reluctance for having to be that hero, but they will eventually accept. And this doesn't seem like it's going to go that route necessarily, and, and at least that I can tell. And I like the idea that she's keeping this hidden from her more than anything. And it's almost like she her mom doesn't even know that it's even a possibility. And I, I kind of like that idea too. That's, it's more of just like, Oh my God, like this person really brought a lot of shame on our family. And we don't, I don't even want to think about it. Like it, there's no way it's even going to get close to like my family. Cause it, it was a very isolated thing. Maybe there's, I, I do like that idea that they're building up this idea that she's going to have to, her mom herself will have to come to, to grips with the fact that her own daughter is going to be something she may resent. You know, at, at some point and how that's going to cause drama between them. And hopefully, I'm assuming, uh, eventually uh, come re not redemption, but uh, come to an understanding about it potentially and, and a healing from it. And I think there's something really cool about that. I, I think they're building up in the story that I don't think was necessarily there in the comics. Again, it's been a minute and I said I've read it. I need to read it for the comic binge or something like that. But. But yeah, I, I like this idea of this tension between her mom and her and how that by hopefully by the series end, there'll be an understanding and, and, a, and a come to grips with what her daughter is. And, you know, and maybe that will be, you know, a, a thing for a, a great, again, a great theme of, of, the, of the show, which I think, again, I'm a big theme person. So, yeah, I like I love like you, you hit the nail on the head here, Sean. This is a great exposition uh, that's not so obvious because you're building the character and you're establishing everything in the family and you're not doing it like in such an obvious way for me. So I think I, your, your fact that her and her dad are still tight, you're building up that, how her mom's resentful. You know, you're, you already know that, but you're just building on top of it, what you need to kind of build and get people's interest. So when these things pay off, we're all invested. And I think they've done a great job of that so far. Yeah. And I think this also just reaches back and informs why Muniba was so upset with Kamala in the first episode and why she's so fearful over Kamala being a dreamer. I don't think it's because I, I think when you think about the the line that Yusuf said of we moved here so our children could be anything that they wanted to be. I think there's I don't think he's alone in that belief. I think if you look at where things have kind of landed over the course of the first two episodes, you would almost think that Yusuf is the only one who genuinely believes that and Muniba doesn't necessarily believe that her children should be anything they want to be, or at least if she believes that for Amir, she doesn't believe that for Kamala. I don't really think that's true. I think that there is something that Muniba is very fearful of, because if we're talking about dreamers and maybe even having powers, and maybe that's something that, uh, maybe that's actually something that Muniba does know about, if her grandmother, maybe the bringing shame to the family wasn't really just the fact that she had dreams or even the fact that she had power, but it's what those dreams and those powers led her to do and feeling like Kamala would ultimately go down that. And she fears that Kamala is going down that same path. And I think it, so it, it gives a valid emotional perspective for Muniba 
and not that we fully understand it and know everything just yet, but at least we can see what it's hinting at and what Muniba is, is really, really worried about for Kamala and wondering whether or not, and hoping that whatever happened with Aisha doesn't also happen to her daughter. Because I don't really know that we're going to find out. I don't know what we're going to find out with respect to Aisha. Are we going to find out that the shame that she brought was really not her fault, something that was completely misunderstood or just flat out intentionally mischaracterized, misrepresented by others? Or are we going to find out that she had power and did something bad with it? And now that's what Muniba believes that anybody who, who has that power might be tempted to going that direction. But at, at least we know it's, it's more, it's not just, I wish my kid would stop daydreaming. There's something uh, much more to it that uh, Muniba is, uh, is worried about. Uh, which certainly informs that character. So again, so much going on in that sequence, and it is all executed uh, really, really well. And then we cut to damage control, because remember, they're part of this story too. So we see Agent Cleary, uh, who has one move apparently, which is being the good cop and flattering whoever he's interviewing, because that's what he did to Ned in Spider-Man No Way Home, acting like the guy in the chair is such a big deal. And he's doing that now in this, as he's questioning Zoe, the Zoe Zimmer, he's a big fan, which is super weird for that dude to be a big fan of a social media influencer who is currently in high school. So him just playing to her ego and pretending to be such a huge fan, but then he turns that switch where it's like, oh yeah, and here you are hanging out with an enhanced individual, which I don't know what this means right now. Like is is this Sokovia Accords like still going on or, or what this is? But the fact that, so they're after Nightlight simply for the fact that she's an enhanced individual. Like I, she hasn't, strictly speaking, done anything necessarily illegal yet. Although maybe what she did at, at Avenger Gone was a violation of the Sokovia Accords somewhere. We'll have to ask Jimmy Wu. He's the expert. But I, I don't really know uh, where that's at. But Regardless, the end result is this is an interrogation to find out more about uh, about Nightlight. And then Agent Deaver pops in. And uh, we certainly see that Agent uh, Deaver is uh, trending the wrong direction on the uh, the problematic spectrum because she has seems to have some sort of problem or mocking attitude with the use of the fr- uh, use of the word Latinx. Um, and then also is going through the just running down. These different, uh, you know, eth- these different races, ethnicities of who this superhero might be until she lands on South Asian. And so and Zoe re- reacts to that and is finding out where she can find this individual. And when they land on that, even Agent Cleary kind of says, uh, wants Agent Deaver to be somewhat sensitive in how she approaches this and is worried about she might not be talking about how there's they're already being surve- there's already surveillance from the FBI which the implication being there is being there that this muslim community is already being watched by the FBI probably for no other reason than they are a muslim community so there's certainly a bit talking about the issues with profiling that they're going uh, go- getting to in that uh, in that scene there but uh, the end result is agent deaver is assigned to go check out nightlight and figure out what's going on there we then get to, uh, we're back by the mosque. It's the Eid Mubarak celebration. And this is a perfect time for Nakia to, uh, for Nakia to start campaigning. And the big target is Yusuf. She wants to get his vote away from his best friend, Rashid. And she is able to do that in spectacular fashion. 
the way she gets Yusuf's vote when he's like, oh, I'm going to vote for him because he's my best friend. And the way she talks about her and Kamala and their dreams and talks about how ask Yusuf if he's going if he's actually going to kill the dream of his daughter and her and her best friend, who is practically his other daughter. I loved that. Uh, she just totally left. Uh, she just stopped Yusuf in his tracks. And that was amazing. And the job that uh, Nakia did for that. Also, uh, in this sequence, as we go through the different groups at this celebration, uh, there is a reference to the Mosque Bros. And in the Mosque Bros, you see a cameo by Bilal Falah, who was one of the directors um, from the first episode, and I know is one of the directors for other episodes coming up. Um, but we get more, the most information from the Illuminantes, a uh, great name uh, for that group. <laughs> and Kamala is taking advantage of this opportunity to try and figure out more about her great-grandmother, Aisha, and there is plenty of gossip, whether it is affairs that she had, or maybe, as one of them even heard, that Aisha killed a man at some point. Perhaps that's the reference to uh, the shame that was brought on the family, be it affairs or murder or whatever it may be. Um, but I, I think that was a really good job. Again, the the scene between Nakia and Yusuf, I, I loved one of my favorite pieces in this episode, but then also the way they can use the Illuminantes to continue to build the intrigue ar uh, around Aisha, which they don't confirm that that's Aisha, who we see at the end of the episode, but odds are pretty good that's who it is. Um, but anyway, the, the way they built the intrigue there, I thought was was very fun and very effective. Yeah, this was a really fun scene building character. And I think, again, establishing the tight knit community that, that they, they all have it was great. It was fun. Uh, I love the damage control stuff. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, th that guy, he's he's awesome. Like, I didn't think much of him. I haven't seen Succession. I, I need, I'm going to have that after I, I catch up on Better Call Saul. But uh, my wife, and really, you know, Morgan's been really into wanting to watch that, too. So, um I'm going to get to that. You've told me he was on that show, so I'm excited to check him out there. I love his character. I've seen him in three things, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Like, this guy rules. Uh, just he, he plays it perfectly. And one of the things that you talked about, like, are the Sokovia Accords still around? I, I kind of think that they have to be in some ways like, to keep things in check. But you got to, again, we talked about last episode, are they establishing damage control on this guy as potentially – not the mentor, but maybe what brings in the young Avengers or, the, or God hope, God forbid if they actually choose a champion's name. Um, but something like that, like, I wonder if, you know, there is something there uh, they're establishing with this and that they, they are kind of, again, that, that kind of your, your gateway to the bigger, all the other super powered villains. I'd be very curious or I'm not curious. I, I would not be surprised if at all is if damage control is a huge uh, point in She-Hulk to be quite honest. Um, so I think we're just getting the seeds of damage control here as not taking the place of shield necessarily, but at least taking there, you have an establishment now that you can go to and find out and grab heroes and villains and use it as like a Rolodex, if you will, to get, uh, for kind of get things moving a little bit faster potentially. So there is, I think this is, this is a good way of establishing this, uh, uh and having this as be the first kind of, uh, the first wave of defense maybe or, or just kind of the first wave and then maybe after that it goes to shield then after shield it maybe goes a sword potentially maybe mm -hmm. something like that like like a hierarchy if you will so i wonder if this is potentially what they're going to go with I, I like that idea 
that's my own idea, right? But no, uh, it's it's possible. I'm not saying it's for sure, but dam- they're definitely see- it seems like they're setting up damage control as a way of establishing and getting people into the superheroes, super villains, and and going through and having that as a way as a way for them to kind of navigate and introduce different uh, characters. Yeah, and and I think the Sokovia Accords are still around, and I think they've even established that they're still around, but uh, in the MCU, but. I guess how much power and and influence they really have. I think it's spotty at best right now, because I think we've seen certain things where certain heroes are, are having issues with authorities and others, maybe not as much like, for example, Sam Wilson certainly had issues with the whole Captain America situation and John Walker. But when he becomes Captain America at the end, like he's not under arrest for that. Um, and, And so I think there are, the enforcement of the Sokovia Accords isn't necessarily consistent, but maybe, I don't know, not like everything is enforced consistently uh, in this world or country. So, like, I, I guess that's there's some definitely some truth in that. But I, I also think that I think where that feels kind of genuine in the story, though, is I, I think the world's relationship with the Sokovia Accords was always kind of destined to be rocky because not everybody necessarily believes in it. Not everybody necessarily agreed on it, as we saw and they fought about in Captain America Civil War. But... Certainly, I think damage control at least has interest in enhanced individuals. To what end? I think we'll have to figure that out. Uh, the The whole idea of Agent Cleary having uh, a larger role, I mean, we talked about that potential a, a little bit last week, but to maybe add to it in this one, I do think the scene makes it clear that he has some sort of honor code that's a level above Agent Deaver, right? Because her line of questioning and then the phrasing of some of the things she was saying, he wasn't totally comfortable with and didn't necessarily, you could, you could see that he didn't necessarily think it was okay. And, and him wanting to approach, um, the situation with nightlight and the surveillance and trying to have some sensitivity to it, which Deaver obviously doesn't care about at all. So they are establishing that there is something, there's a certain line that maybe Cleary is, doesn't want to cross that where Deaver doesn't even see a line and has absolutely no problem with it. So they are establishing something about him that is a little bit different. And I know that, yeah, he's had some deceptive tactics with his uh, good cop interrogation tactic, but he hasn't necessarily crossed a line with what he's, uh, with what he's done, not in the way that it seems like Deaver either already has uh, or is going to. So yeah, a lot of intrigue around that. And I'm all for him continuing to have a role in the the MCU because he's great on succession and doing a great job uh, in this series so far. But uh, at the celebration, there is an opportunity for Kamala Khan to be a superhero because there is a kid up in a tower taking a selfie and it goes about as poorly as you might expect. And the kid is hanging on and Kamala goes to make the save. Everything about this sequence I thought was so well done because... I think the first thing I, I loved about it was I love Kamala Khan's instincts as a hero, not just to like jump in and physically make the save, but this is still very early in her powers and we're just barely seeing her figure out how to use this stuff. And she doesn't even know all the applications of it yet, but she's just barely figuring out how to use these powers as we see kind of, you know, the training montage bit that's pretty standard as we get earlier on in this second episode. And they honor that because the way she moves slowly, deliberately to try and make sure she doesn't screw up, because if she screws up, then nobody's getting saved. So there's that part of it, but also the compassion that she shows, just asking the kid 
helping the kid think about something else. Like, what's your favorite food? Ice cream pizza. Okay, we can debate the merits of ice cream pizza on another podcast, but whatever. It's that kid's favorite food, and it provides him the comfort of thinking about something else, not the fact that he's hanging to dear life and, and hoping not to fall. So I just, that, those instincts from Kamala, that's the superhero stuff. Like, that's the stuff that I really love. I mean, yes, there's the superpowers and the the whatever else and all that stuff, and I, I say whatever else. I don't mean to be dismissive of it because... It's super cool and a huge part of why I love this stuff. But the best part is is who they are and, and the heroism that they show internally and the way that they can connect with other, with the people that they're saving. And that's what we get from Kamala Khan and uh, and with this kid uh, in this week and this sequence that I thought was great. And what was also great about the sequence is we talk about the authenticity of this series. Yes, her her slow, cautious approach to try and, and make sure she makes the save. But then, uh, of course, she ends up that mysterious woman in light appears again after Kamala has ma- has initially made the save. And that knocks Kamala back. And the hard light uh, isn't so hard anymore. And the kid falls through it. And Kamala is able to help him, the kid break his fall to the point where he survives the fall, but he is injured. We hear him talking about uh, his ankle and that causes the crowd that was just cheering on, uh, cheering her moments before has, is so fickle that they've now turned on her and Kamala has to run away. Uh, but before I get to what happens when she runs away, that whole part of it as well was, uh, was a great use of the, uh, just a, a great way of embracing the tropes of superhero storytelling, but doing it in a way that felt fresh and unique where Kamala gets partial credit, most of the credit, right? She does the, she does all the right things. She makes the save. And then this other thing happens that is outside of her control and she still makes the save as best as she can, but it's not as easy. And I mean, she even gets like the, she literally gets a superhero landing in that sequence initially and it's all good and all the glory of being a hero, but then all of the stakes that come with it as things kind of start to go wrong and the kid who she ultimately saves doesn't walk away from it unscathed. I I just, I think that sort of, that journey for Kamala Khan, it's just such an important part of the the storytelling, and it's so effective in the way that they've done it here, where it just shows that Kamala has these heroic instincts, and she has a lot of abilities that are going to ha- allow her to make the most out of those instincts, but there's always a lesson to still be learned there, and that you know her power is not absolute, and it is, uh, it, it is fragile, as we saw there, and it's just all part of how she's going to have to grow uh, as a hero. Uh, to make the save and, and really stick the landing, not just for herself, but for the person she's trying to save. Uh, that's not me accusing Kamala of being careless, but she because she wasn't. But even when you try to do everything right, um, that may not always be enough. So you just have to be as prepared as you can be for those moments. And so Kamala makes the save, but also walks away with a lesson learned. I got to tell you, I really like the scene a lot. And one of the reasons why is first it starts off as the classic saving saving the, you know the person and i love when the kid you know is you know freaking out and she's like what's your favorite food and he's like ice cream and what do you say is ice cream and something what was yeah. it ice cream ice and, cream uh, pizza ice cream pizza she's like that's gross <laughs> she kind of mutters it uh i i was laughing out loud with that i thought it was great because there to me I love this exchange because you're it's setting you up a little bit because you're thinking it's the classic superhero trope of it's going to save the kid. Everyone's going to be like, who is that masked hero? And and go from there. But it wasn't. And 
I got to tell you, I really like this idea. And I like the idea of where you're not going with this traditional thing of the heroes does, you know, the right does does the right thing and does a pretty good job of saving it. No, actually, it, again, no fault to her own, but something happens and it makes her screw up and there was consequences. And I like the idea that they really focused in on that because I think one of the things that's easy to write and to say the hero does a good job and, you know, something happened and they managed to save it right at the you know, last minute and whoo, because to me, you're establishing the fact that she did something happen on her watch that she couldn't help early on in her career. And it shows her that she's got to be careful. And I think there's there's a lot more at stake for her now, I think, for, from this one moment uh, for many different reasons. And I think that it, it's a good it's a good uh, character development for for her. And. I don't know. I, I think they're going to touch on this and think it's going to weigh heavily on her. And just, and again, I talk about themes, themes are just, things aren't going to be perfect. I think you established that in the first episode of how her powers kind of go out, go crazy on her. And then during this, she, she, you know, she, she has a whole montage or training and, and with Bruno and everything. And it's great. But in the end, something still happens. She doesn't know. She has to be careful when she does this. And it kind of, you, you bring in the idea of, you can't just assume full control and think everything's going to be, you know, come up roses, right? And I like that idea of establishing establishing with a young person, Sean, that things aren't always going to work out the way you think they are. And I like that because those are things that we all need to learn as people in general, you know, especially young people, because, you know, as young people, as a young person myself at one point, uh, it was it was hard to learn that. You know, because you, you have good intentions and sometimes those intentions are not always met the way and expectations aren't always met the way you, you intended them to be. And and you have to kind of plan for that a little bit, you know, or, or expect and prepare for that. I think not just I think, you know, uh, from a standpoint of the present of like physically around you, but your emotional well-being as well. Prepare for that mentally and emotionally. And I think that's what they're doing here with 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 Kamala in the scene. And I think they'll, I'm assuming they'll play off this later on of establishing how important it is for her to control herself and her powers and not assume and, and know like what, what's going on and, and make her get to the bottom of it quickly. Because you, if you're going to be a superhero, you can't have those things happen. So I thought this was an interesting place to take the character. And I really liked it. It was not what I was expecting, uh, expecting at all. Yeah. And I think it's part of the journey of being a superhero, right? Is you discover right. your powers and that's great, but then you also realize that your powers have limits and just because you you practice a little bit, that's not gonna automatically make perfect. And as you're saying, like this is a situation that happened outside of her control. It wasn't Kamala Khan being reckless or negligent. She, There's nothing she did to cause this vision of this person, um, just like the first time it happened, had no idea that this was going to pop up and, and knock her back and cause uh, cause any issue. So, like, she had no idea. There's no way she really could have anticipated it, but that's also part of what you have to learn. And being a superhero is you have to try and anticipate uh, everything because there's always going to be a surprise that uh, that can come around any corner. So, um, yeah, I, I love the way that that was portrayed. And then as Kamala runs off, and she encounters first some drones that kind of look like did damage control grab like some Edith drones or something. The, the design of that looked very, very similar, not exact. Um, and certainly the color scheme was a little bit different, but pretty similar to the drones we saw back in Spider-Man Far From Home. 
Uh, but meanwhile, of course, Agent uh, Deaver is there, and uh, Kamala is able to get away narrowly, and then she uh, there's a getaway car for her, driven by Kamran, of course, and we then meet in the backseat is Kamran introduces as his mother, and she looks a lot like that mystery woman uh, who was appearing in light for Kamala a couple times in this episode, and she's saying that she's been waiting uh, a long time to meet Kamala, and that is the end of our episode. So obviously this figure is connected to these powers that Kamala has somehow, and I mean, because even the second time that she appears almost looks like she's trying to like grab the bangle a little bit. I mean, it looks a little, mm-hmm. a little aggressive, maybe not a lot, but at least a little aggressive. And so I'm not really sure what this person's intentions are. And of course, it does beg the question of like, because nobody knows what happened to Aisha. Is this Aisha? And if, and obviously we're talking about somebody who would have been alive for a very long time at this point. Do these powers extend life in some way? Is that what's going on here? And we don't actually know for a fact that this is Aisha. That's just uh, the the outcome that we would suspect based on the way this has been characterized so far. But for all we know, this is some enemy of Aisha. This is somebody who made Aisha look bad, and Aisha wasn't the one who did anything. So I, I don't really know exactly who this person is. I assume that will be revealed uh, in the very next episode. If it is Aisha, then uh, yeah, uh, Kamala's uh, romance with Kamran will have to come to an end because he's like her great uncle or something like that if, if Aisha God. is his mother. Um, so yeah, they'll have to uh, they'll have to stop that. Uh, but I also, I mean, I don't know, is that biological mother? Because I, I don't know. Well, they'll, they'll explain it to me next week and I'll figure it out then. Oh, Until oh, For Lord. now, I just won't worry about it. They'll sort it out. Um, <laughs> I have a good end of the episode because it sets it up perfectly of like, okay, we've heard one side of this, but it hasn't really peeled back the curtain on the nature of these powers. I don't think this uh, person has waited to meet Kamala for a long time because she's a huge uh, fan of the Sloth Baby Productions YouTube channel. Like, obviously, this is related to something, but when she says waiting for a long time, like... Kamala hasn't shown these powers for a long time. It's been days at this point. And so that would suggest to me that this is a person who already knew that Kamala mm-hmm. would have these powers and, and have these abilities. And it was just a matter mm-hmm. of unlocking them. And is it a thing where um, Aisha or whoever this is every so often has to absorb the powers of somebody like Kamala? Is Are the intentions evil or not? I don't know. We will have to see next week. But... It was a great way to end the episode, but it also makes me really excited for episode three because this definitely feels like the person who's going to give us um, a lot more information on what exactly the nature of all this is. And it's right about the time to do that, right? Episode three puts us midway through the series, so we kind of need that information so we can get into more of the pure superheroic stuff and, uh, of course, just get Kamala Khan that much closer to being in her main superhero costume that we're excited to see. Yeah, this was, uh, I was not expecting this, and I loved it. I loved everything about this, and I, imme- I immediately started thinking to myself, okay, okay, like this, it, all that all that stuff with the guy, the guy she's crushing on, it all makes sense now. I love that. I loved that. I thought it was a great payoff that we talked about earlier in the episode, and what does this mean? And because, because again, as someone who 
knows her origin already from the comic books. This is it gives a much fresher take, and it, it's very interesting and mysterious. And you kind of start get a lot of you know theories and things like that. My theory is either she's uh, she saw the future, like she's she could you know had premonitions of of Kamala being coming who she is, or and and she is like maybe a secretive bad guy potentially. Yeah. Uh, that you know whatever. What I also am thinking is she may like what if this skips a generation like these powers potentially or these the, this whatever, and what if she knew that and wanted to get things started and sent her those the the the, the quantum bands or you want to call them the wristbands, um, and so that's what I'm also thinking about like she's kind of pretending to be the you know the the, the relative or whatever so um, from you know who sent them originally there's a lot of interesting ideas you could take this so. I love this. I thought it was great. I, I I did not see it coming. I thought it was a great ending for a cliffhanger. And yeah, it after this episode, after this part, Sean, I will I just sat there and went, all right. You know, because I because I I selfishly was like, okay, I, I again I hate having Kenobi and this come out the same day. And I thought, okay, I, I want to get this done. So I'm gonna I, I, obviously, you know, no to no fault of Miss Marvels, I'm super, super stoked on Kenobi because I'm you know, Kenobi's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. I thought, okay. I want to watch Miss Marvel first, get that not over with, but get that out of the way so I can just, you know, just get on Kenobi as, you know, whatever. And, but I kind of, after a minute, I, I watched it. And I'm like, man, that's damn good. I, was, I, I can't wait for episode three. So I was very much, uh, this cliffhanger definitely was a great exclamation point to a great episode that made, made it even better. I thought it tied everything so, so beautifully. Uh, honestly, one of the better, I thought overall, well, um, written episodes of any Marvel TV show, to be honest. And I, I say that not, not, I don't want to compare it to like, you know, Moon Knight episode five or things like that, where just, you know, our powerhouses, but just a, just, just a standard, just, you know, typical, episode i thought it was one of the more well-paced well-written episodes of all, of any of the shows to be honest if you just take a you know normal run-of-the-mill kind of ep i say run-of-the-mill you know what i mean it's kind of regular episode i thought i was i was really impressed i thought it was, was really 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 well written and uh it, i thought it paid off beautifully well at the end yeah i think this episode is pretty airtight like this does exactly what it's supposed to do and, and combines so many different things and accomplishes so much from getting a lot of building intrigue, providing information, not necessarily all the information, but providing enough new information to just add to the intrigue and continue building the mystery that is at the heart of, at, at the center of this, but never lo losing sight of the emotion, the connection to the characters, the experience, the lives of the characters and letting us live in that space and be just as entertained, if not more entertained by being in those spaces with these characters, but particularly Kamala Khan as we are when we get into the superhero stuff and the intrigue behind the superhero stuff and how exactly all of that's working. Um, it's really, really well done. It's well-written, well-directed, well-acted. Um, I, I think this series is so strong so far. I mean, I think creatively through two episodes, this is uh, as as good as it's been. I mean, the only one I, I would say maybe is, uh, you know, above this is, is WandaVision. I tweeted as much in my reaction as Marvel, like through two episodes, I think this is the strongest series since WandaVision, and we'll see where it goes from here. It could even be better by the end. And I know that's high praise, and I know that's enough right there that probably infuriates some people who are uh, devoted WandaVision fans like I am. 
um, and uh, are still not comfortable with uh, everything that happens in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So um, I don't say that lightly. It's just where I'm feeling right now, how I'm feeling right now based on how impressed I have been by these first two episodes. And I am so excited to uh, check out episode three because I, I think it's going to provide a lot more information, but I also know it'll be done artfully in a very entertaining way that furthers the uh, story arcs, but also more importantly, the emotional arcs for these characters. Um, it's gonna, I have the utmost confidence in the series based on what I've seen in these first two episodes. Uh, they've just been magnificent and I can't wait to see more. But that is where we will wrap up this edition of MCU Fan Show. Remember to check out Fan Show Plus for Obi-Wan Kenobi spoiler reviews at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Or if you search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at MCU Fan Show. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please follow the Comic Binge YouTube channel. We have a pretty big episode coming on this Friday. I have been binging a crap load of Doctor Strange comics, and oh my god, there is some whew, there's some great stuff in there. And Alex from uh, Comic Book Historians has he set me on a path of reading like I think almost 50 Doctor Strange comics, and I'm almost done with it all. I've got one little leg, little leg left, but uh, I'm excited because there's lots of great stuff. It's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a marathon, but it's going to be awesome. If you're into Doctor Strange and you want to know about good Doctor Strange comics to read, this is the this is one you're going to want to check out. So yeah, that's this Friday. It's going to be a little bit later uh, live stream because uh, uh, Alex is very, very, very busy, guys, but it's going to be a blast. And if you can't catch the live stream, obviously, you can always stream it on YouTube anytime. It's going to be a Awesome, awesome, awesome episode. And obviously, Multiverse of Madness comes out this week, so it's a perfect time to do it. So if if you're stoked on Doctor Strange, this is going to be the thing to check out. So yeah, this Friday, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, required reading. Check it out. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.